Today's episode of Civilized Barking is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. With the 10th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Jedrick Wills, tackle Alabama. Well, a lot of times we've come to you uh, on the morning after round one and the morning of rounds two and three, and you have had a hell of a Browns hangover already. Easy for me to say. Um, this time I sense some excitement, some contentment. <laughs> the Browns didn't totally screw it up, we think. So people are okay. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Jason Lloyd. Uh, this is not an emergency edition of Civilized Barking. This is a uh, continue to fill in the gaps and feed the draft need edition of the Civilized Barking podcast. Jason, uh, strangest draft ever, strangest circumstances ever. Another new regime for the Browns. Um, you know, we had a real strong idea of where this was headed, barring something goofy, right? And I just think when you look, um, if there wasn't much Jedrick Wills projection, it's because people who really know this stuff didn't think he'd be there at 10. And from listening to the guys that call the shots for the Browns, they're really excited that he was. Yeah, and Zach, you and I both referenced it. They vir- they virtually sprinted to the podium, if you will, <laughs> under the circumstances the Jaguars pick had barely been announced and the screen said the Browns pick is in. Uh, this was a no brainer as far as they're concerned. I'm, you know, thrilled that it went the way that it did. I had told you privately, I was not a fan of the Trent Williams scenario. Uh, Jason Peters. Okay. is a one-year stop gap. If they wanted to trade down and get cute, they didn't do any of that. They stood pat right where they were. They took the guy they wanted they acted like a professional grown-up NFL football team, and that was thrilling to see. Yeah. Um, so here they are. Um, the offense is in place, right? We don't know who the right guard's going to be, but there are three candidates um, right now, at least. Um, you have your starters. That doesn't include Kareem Hunt, you know, which is pretty good. That doesn't include David Njoku. You'd like to see more depth at receiver, and I think that you will, uh, both in the draft, probably on Saturday and via another veteran uh, just in case. But you're going to plug this guy in, and, you know, there is some concern. Um, He's an early entry, as all of these guys were. He's not yet 21 years old, and he's only ever played right tackle high school and college. He's now coming to the highest level of football uh, on a team that wants to be a win-now team that's built like, especially offensively, a win-now team, and he's got to make the move to left. But, again, to listen to the Browns talk about how they planned, what they debated, how they see it. They feel like the structure is in place. Going back now, that that Andrew Berry quote about it, not the, you know, the position's not being a big deal that's going to follow him, good or bad, for the rest of his career, right? That was kind of laying the groundwork. Basically, yeah. he was trying to tell us that Jedrick Wills was on top of their board. And so, you know, everybody is a projection. Um, there's always risk and unknown, and we'll see what happens 
with uh, the offseason, into the season. When can they get their hands on Jedrick Wills? Just how ready is he? Miles Garrett is going to absolutely kick his ass in training camp. How is he going to respond? But I think the overall feeling is that there's, like, like you mentioned, at least a plan and at least like a basis, baseline thought that we're willing to go through the growing pains with this kid because we think the payoff is going to be real high. Yeah, you know, I looked through it last week because, uh, you know, going back to the Combine podcast that you and I did, and I said, hey, this is going to be their last chance. Hopefully, you know, again, stupid, naive me coming out. They shouldn't be drafting the top 10 again anytime soon, hopefully. So use this as the opportunity to go get that franchise left tackle. That's such a premium position. And then I dug into the numbers and 28 tackles taken in the top 10 over the last 20 years. Only half of them have made Pro Bowls. And I thought for some reason in my head, I thought that number would be higher. I know everything's a coin flip in the draft. I get that. But at that position, it just felt like in my head, I could count a whole lot more hits than misses. So yeah, you know, the level of uncertainty here is the fact that, you know, Greg Robinson was what, when he number two overall. Yeah, he and, was. And, and look how that worked out. And so many of these guys don't make it at tackle and then they wind up making a, a home at guard. Uh, obviously the Browns need a left tackle right now. And, you know, the Andrew Barry and, and Paul DiBodesta last night sort of, you know, officially left open the window that, okay, yeah, sure. Jack Conklin could be at tackle and this guy could be at, at right tackle. But I think by the end, they even said, no, listen, the way that we're approaching this is, is Jed Wills is going to be uh, the left tackle. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is a given. Nothing is a sure thing, especially that position. Yes. It takes guys time to grow into the role. I don't care though. As I wrote today, there are no more excuses for Baker Mayfield. The Browns did exactly what you're supposed to do with the number one overall franchise quarterback, even though Andrew Barry may not be the one who drafted him. They have surrounded him with weapons and now with protection. There are no more excuses. They spent $42 million on a right tackle in Jack Conklin. They spent the number 10 overall pick on a left tackle. They've completely overhauled the line. Right guard, to me, isn't nearly as big of a concern now as it was last year. I, I've said, you know, even last year, you can cover up one spot. You can hide one spot on the line. Can't hide two. You can, you can hide one. So I think they can get by with what they have at, at right guard. Uh, but they obviously had to do something. I love the fact that they didn't invest draft picks and a ton of money into Trent Williams. To me, he was too big of a risk with his history. You and I were talking about it. You know, I was asking you, Hey, can they give this guy what he wants and still have room to sign all these other guys that, you know, theoretically are going to be commanding big contracts next time around. I don't think it was worth the risk. Uh, and I just, you know, like I said, this is all on Baker. Now there are no more excuses. He has everything he could possibly need in front of him to thrive in his third year. The rest is up to him. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I would follow it by saying, you know, teams that get good quarterback play, not even great, have a chance. And the offseason build was clearly about picking him up. Um, eventually, you know, he'll get with Alex Van Pelt and he'll get with Kevin Stefanski. And you would think that this team will be able to get in and out of the huddle. You would think this team will develop a game plan from Tuesday to Friday and actually stick with it on Sunday. <laughs> and, you know, then then those things happen and Baker has to be accurate. And, again, he doesn't have to be a world beater. Uh, he just has to be good. Same with Jedrick Wills. I mean, the thing about turning the, the talent corner, which the Browns have over the past two off seasons, is for so long through all this change and all this shit, Every draft pick had to be the savior of Cleveland. 
right? Well, you're asking Jedrick Wills, yes, you would love him to be an all-pro, as you mentioned, and a great player. And it is a premium money position where guys can make hundreds of millions of dollars and be famous yet anonymous, which is the dream, right? But you're asking him to just come in and play well. You've got really highly paid, really experienced guys in the line room with him. You got really talented guys at the skill spots around him. Again, the theoretic upgrade and coaching and the whole organization being on the same page, actually understanding the need for a left tackle, the importance of the position, that's a good start. And, and as you look at the unknowns and, and try to uh, you know, sort through them, okay, there's no way to train a guy for this, but he played at Alabama, right? Uh, Four-star recruit, plus athlete, like everything solid, all, all this experience – Playing for Alabama, playing in the games he played is about as good as you can get. He's not yet 21 years old. So I don't know if it's a not scratch the surface thing, but he's tough. He's smart. He's played a little in this system. You believe in the O-line coach because he's done this before. And I know a couple of the names that came up, Tyron Smith and Joe Thomas. I mean, let's be honest, that's completely unfair, not to Jedrick Wills, but to any kid. However, you know, these are these are points of of reference. And the Browns all these years later are still trying to replace Joe Thomas. Obviously you're, you're probably not ever going to do that. Not for set, uh, decades. Right. But you need a really good left tackle and you need a guy that, that can do those things, can, can, can learn the system and loves football. Cause if he just meshes with his teammates, then all of a sudden we got this alignment that we keep hearing so much about. And it's that alignment that maybe leads to this, little window of optimism that seems to be um, quietly, you know, aligned with the rounds for lack of a better term. One sack in 39 games at Alabama. You know, I can't remember now we talked to so many people last night. I can't remember which, who brought it up. A couple of them did. I, I think it's, I think it's fair. And I think it's correct. When you talk about, he did it at Alabama. This isn't, this isn't a tackle from Bethune Cookman or from Akron or Kent that they're trying, no offense to those guys that they're trying to, convert into a left tackle of a, of a franchise. This is a guy who did it against the best conference in college football. And he protected to his blind side, allowed one sack in 39 games. That that to me carries a lot of weight that the, the level of competition that he, that he's done it against already. He's gone against some of the best edge rushers in college football and, and he's thrived at it. So Zach, I guess my question to you, you know, the, we talk about the transition right side to left side. Andrew Barry's obviously dismissed it, said tackles or tackles. Our Tom Reed did. I, I thought a terrific story on the process and what it's like for, for guys to transition from right tackle to left tackle. This is going to be a talking point from now until the first game, whenever that is. How big of a deal do you think this is? Um, well, first, I can, am I allowed to say that he's not like a six one two guard from Alabama? He's a right tackle from Alabama? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I just needed to squeeze that in. No um, problem. I, I think it's a deal. I think it's not a big deal, but I think as they evaluated, as I mentioned previously, I, I don't think Andrew Barry said what he said lightly. And, and again, with the way that so many teams play offense in college and just the step up of what you're asked to do, I think that transition is less. It's certainly a transition. It's certainly a complication and it's certainly an issue. But I think they picked not only the player that they liked and the physical skill and the intangibles that they liked, but I think his curve is less than others. So I think that they like that. Um, one other thing on Trent Williams, guys. Like there was just so much risk there. And I think 
this group said, well, there's, there's risk in all this. There's less in Jedrick Wells. And in addition to not having to sit there and ever, everyone overreact to bullshit reports about the Browns may or may not be in on Trent Williams. Like I'm sure they've done their homework, right? But it always made sense to take this 21 year old tackle. Again, he's not yet 21. So like, Get the guy under team control. Get him in there. Why did you go get Bill Callahan? How can you make the most of already having Batonio, already having Treader, keeping Chris Hubbard and going and giving Jack Conklin all this money, right? That's your offensive tackle budget right there. So you get the rookie. You coach him up as soon as you can. And even though it's strange circumstances, I got to believe that starts Monday. And then eventually, you know, you get him around those guys and you trust that Alabama pedigree to help him kind of, um, you know, get there maybe sooner than some other guys would be ready to. Is uh, is David Njoku still on this team at the end of, I was going to say end of today, end of tonight, but I guess the end of tomorrow? Yeah, I would say probably. No, I, I see a couple of scenarios where he's not. Um, you know, the Browns could draft a tight end tonight. I think only two of them will go, Cole Komet and, and Adam Troutman. Um, so that that would be the, the most likely scenario. Or an offer where the Browns are in another deal. Right. And, and maybe here I'm speaking more of a Yannick Nagakwe or an Anthony Harris and then or, or maybe, you know, some player drops and they need to use him as a piece to, to move, to collect picks or to make up for picks they gave up for one of those veteran guys. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's not out of the question, but unlikely that they move any players. I think it goes to the theme of surround these guys with Baker and you know what, if they don't all work out or if you lose one to free agency or you got to make some tough decisions down the road. I mean, going back now, Jason, six weeks to March, like there has been no hesitation in, in, in what this team has done. So eventually we'll all know what worked and what didn't, but the first hour of free agency, they paid Austin Hooper, what no other team was willing to, right? The fifth hour of free agency, they gave Jake, Jack Conklin guarantees no other team was willing to. Yeah. Right? They went and got Case Keenum because they need him to coach Baker Mayfield and help the offense get, get to the next level. They said, we're absolutely not trading Odell Beckham because why would we? So like all of that says to me that yes, a veteran is in play and no, they're not done because they're a new regime. But for right now, this, this part of it, I think it's about loading up on guys that have done it to an extent or maybe you're a lot more ready to do it than guys you're going to get, say, Saturday in the draft. I would like to see, and I guess I should add a Kareem Hunt to that, I would like to see Njoku back. You know, I remember when we did the the free agent uh, podcast, and, and I said, is it a foregone conclusion Njoku's gone? And, you know, you explain, listen, yeah, they're going to play two tights, but but Njoku and Hooper are the same guy on, on that side of it. You know, the other guy's going to be more the Farrell Brown type. But still, I, I don't see the downside in keeping Njoku – his trade value obviously is sort of flattened right now coming off the year. And frankly, you know, the career he's had at this point, why not keep the guy around? If, if he and Kareem hunt are still on this team beyond uh, tomorrow, can we safely assume that they're going to be here for training camp? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not only that, but a lot of trades get made during the draft for a lot of reasons. Teams are making big financial decisions. Teams are flat out replacing guys and teams are, dangling people trying to get up and get picks or make other moves. But once we get to training camp and we don't know when that's going to be, there's injuries and there's guys that don't fit and there's coaches and GMs that are just going to go a certain way. And there's a whole other market. So 
right now, I don't know where the Redskins would trade Trent Williams. Yeah. Somebody's left tackle goes down in, in August. That changes, right? Right now, Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham Jr. have very little trade value commensurate to their their uh, talent. Somebody loses a guy. Somebody doesn't get a guy tonight, right, at receiver, loses a guy in August. The Browns somehow have another – you know, th- then it changes. So um, we do focus on that. And I would say, you know, there's really three times trades are made in the NFL, and that's at the start of the league year on on waiver wire weekend which is mostly fifth sixth and seventh round picks and during the draft so you look at it there but that doesn't mean that tonight um you know the one exception being if the browns were to draft a tight end in the second or third round this doesn't mean that the lineup they come out with tonight is absolutely what they're going to have the difference from the past is to look at that on paper is to say okay this is a pretty good offense now let's fix to me the back seven of that defense is not good right now in any regard. So let's see where it goes from here. That's exactly where I was going to go next. I would assume they go defense heavy tonight. Is that, I know you mentioned receiver earlier in the possibility of drafting a tight end. I can't see, I'd be shocked if they went to tight end scenario, given what they've already done there. I would imagine safety next. No, am I wrong? And in a, in a pretty defensive focus the rest of tonight. Yeah, um, two things. The only reason I agree with you that there would be a strong level of surprise going receiver or tight end. The only reason I think it's in play is because they got the absolute one guy they had to get last night, right? So between that and having that extra third, which which they had dangled in some talks or had yeah. been involved in some talks, I kind of feel like they're they're ahead of the curve. So if the right move is there, the right move is there, right? Um, the thing about the Austin Hooper signing is that you're paying three pass catchers $40 million guaranteed this year. If Baker's great and things are good, that's great. Going forward, I don't know that you can do that. So there is that possibility. But you're right. Um, safety linebacker and defensive line, specifically with the pass rush, and there are linebackers that can do that. Um, you know, It just comes down to A, who's there, and B, positional value. I, I would think – there is a strong possibility they wait on safety. However, zero safeties went last night. Right. So there's a chance they could get the realistically the second or third best safety in the draft at number 41. Then you do it. Um, a, a number of linebackers went last night. But again, th- this is where all the change comes in and makes it kind of uncertain and has complicated things in the past. Joe Woods hasn't even had a practice yet. So we don't know how he wants to play defense, right? right? Some of these safety linebacker hybrids, some of these linebacker defensive end hybrids. We know we know the Browns are built for a 4-3, but even there, they're not. They're built for a 4, like, 1.5. They don't have anybody a linebacker. So yeah. how might they do it? You know, who do they really like? There's this freak from Southern Illinois named Jeremy Chin who was a safety, obviously, at, at the FCS level. In college, some teams see him as a safety. Some teams see him as a linebacker. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz that he'll go early tonight. There's been some other buzz that he's not ready yet, and he'll go in the third round. So, you know, there's a lot of questions like that, like this Zach Bond from Wisconsin. He's a linebacker by NFL measurements and standards. Um, he played on the edge in college, as Joe Schober did a lot too. They're not the same guy just because they went to the same place. But, you know, how do you view them, and how do they make you better? So, yeah. Um, sitting here right now, I would say they wait on safety till the third. However, 
they could get a safety that was in a whole lot of first round mock drafts tonight at number 41 and they'd be off to a really good start. What was the uh, biggest surprise to you last night in the first round? Uh, let's see the biggest surprise. Um, you know, there really Lamb's were... girlfriend's reaction to, <laughs> phone yeah, may, you know, maybe him going to Dallas. Um, a lot of people, and I'm one of them thought he would be the first or the second wide receiver, you know, early on, it kind of played how it, what you, the lions were going to go Okuda or going to go Derek Brown. And they, they chose to go Okuda, you know, as long as Tua's um, medicals were not awful, I always thought he would go where he did. So, um, you know, maybe more corners went than I thought, but maybe that's an oversight by me because you just can never have enough corners in today's game. So many teams need them. And especially when you're a team that's picking late in the first round for the right reasons, like you're thinking about uh, our third and fourth corner is going to need to make a play for us in January. And so this is something we're smartly going to invest a first round pick in. Yeah. Uh, six tackles went first round last night, correct? Total of six. That's yeah. Split. Uh, that's what Dane was projecting, six, possibly seven. We did get the six. Dane called Jedrick the best tackle in the draft on his board. I know our Aaron Suttles had some thoughts on uh, Jedrick from his time with him at Alabama. Uh, let's hear what he had to say. Jedrick Wills is straight up nasty. He's exactly what you want out of an offensive lineman in the 2020 game. One of the top tackles in this draft. Wills is a two-year starter at Alabama at right tackle. And truth be told, if Nick Saban could have it to do over again, Jedrick Wills would probably be a three-year starter. I remember Jedrick's freshman scrimmage at Alabama, and I remember making a note to myself on my notepad, who is number 74? I made that note because he was absolutely nasty in his one-on-one drills. He was that, that, that skill about him was evident as a freshman, and it did not disappoint throughout his career at Alabama. He's overly physical. He's athletic, great feet, and has a very heavy hands. He's exactly what you want out of an offensive lineman, a devastating run blocker. He's just as happy to body slam you as he is to make a perfect drop and protect his quarterback. He's a great right tackle. He's one of the best in this class. He's four tackles in this class, widely regarded as the best. Makai Becton out of Louisville. You got Tristan Wurst from Iowa. And, of course, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And Jedrick Wills is right there. It's that skill, that nastiness that makes him one of the top offensive linemen in this class and one of the steals of the draft. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, really cool thing, Jason, in addition to all the coverage, and uh, the Athletic was able to get the college writers, the guys who have covered these guys, you know, not just for the last three, four years, but in some cases well before that, you know, adding to the insight, the instant coverage, the instant, instant reaction. Um, and, you know, Dane Brugler, who – who knows these guys inside and out. He always had Jedrick Wills as his number one tackle. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who I used to work with at the Browns, who's, you know, now frontliner for all of this. Um, he had Jedrick Wills as his number one tackle early in the process. He started talking up to the other guys and he came back over the last few weeks and said, you know, th- this is where uh, we've gone back to where it started. Teams love Jedrick Wills. He was stunned as was I that he was there at number 10. So, um, you know, guys, we've said what we can say. The Browns 41, 74, and 97 on Friday night. We appreciate you reading. We appreciate you listening. If you're not a subscriber, remember The Athletic is free for 90 days. Click through any of our articles, uh, pre-draft, in the draft. we got a whole bunch more coming throughout the weekend. Uh, and get on board there. And then uh, we're going to wrap this up Friday and Saturday as 
far as the draft early at some point, depending on what is and isn't going on, we will do a longer podcast uh, where we will dive in um, to the full draft class, to what it means for now and into the future. I do expect the Browns to be busy making some trades tonight, adding some picks for later in the round as they like to take some shots on some guys. Uh, if a big move is there, again, they have the two third rounders. They have an extra four and an extra five next year. Uh, with that ammo, they potentially have David Njoku as ammo. So we'll see. I expect just from the TV viewer standpoint, you um, – like me in your living room covered in wing sauce. I expect more action tonight. We thank you for listening. We thank you for reading. For Jason, I'm Zach. We'll talk to you soon on Civilized Bark.